0: I watched the first John Wick movie the other day for the first time. Oh, I had, okay. I, had, I hadn't seen any of them. So I sat and watched the first oh, one. Oh, okay. That's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I love action movies. Yeah. So that's another thing that I
1: love. So, yeah, I love John Wick.
0: Yeah. I'm he's also,
1: Rick. yeah, the director is also a very big fan of Korean movies. Is he?
0: Yeah. So he's
1: actually doing, uh, developing a remake of Ajushi. Man from Nowhere.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Who is the director of John Wick?
1: Yeah, he does. He worked with Rain too for Ninja mm. Assassin.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So
1: he's familiar with Korean films and um, he knows. Yeah, Chad Stahelski.
0: Okay, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I just quickly Googled him as well Buffy the Vampire.
1: Yeah, Vampire. he's known for involvement with metrics.
0: Mm, okay, because okay. he
1: was a very famous and i mean he's a very uh he's still a very famous uh, stuntman mm. and action choreographer so he's done the matrix and i think he is doing the most recent one too that the wachowski sisters are directing he's also doing the action there
0: i'm a bit scared about matrix four because mm-hmm. like most people, I love the first Matrix, but then seeing reboots and remakes of Star Wars, and yeah. Ge- they're never very good. I'm not sure if that's yeah. me getting older, but I'm like,
1: oh. it's. I think it's always really hard to do a better one uh, when you're doing a reboot or a remake. But um, among the Star Wars universe projects, I heard great things about Mandalorian.
0: Mm-hmm. And there were several, several good ones in that universe, at least. So we'll see. In terms of music, South Korean music is often sort of criticized for copying or using elements of the West to hip hop and R&B and pop music. But it's interesting mm-hmm. that the, the Korean movies and dramas seem to be quite original And the the Western movies are just rebooting Spider-Man every five years and Star Wars and superheroes. I'm not sure, but is there there perhaps more originality at the moment in Korean dramas and movies than in the West? I would think so.
1: I mean... Korean uh, movie or TV industries are also trying to do something like what especially the Americans do creating like series because when you create a series it's it's an ongoing series mm. so you can just constantly make money mm. so it's a very stable sort of financial structure if you have very strong intellectual property IP before that I think the market being so competitive in Korea with so many uh, not only the TV board casting stations uh, but also with other streamers and just in general Korean audience has very high standard for like storytelling yeah it's it's a very tough crowd to please and because of that I think korean creators are pushed to do more to come up with something that is very new and different
0: i think traditionally that the, the korean dramas were generally just one season weren't they it was like one shot one kill yes, get yes. to the end and that's it
1: but now we had penthouse season one two three
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: we had hospital playlist Yeah. till season two so i think people are trying out that format as well but at the same time, it can be a little different uh, comparing to U.S. Because if you go to like several seasons, that means all those actors have to be locked. Yeah. Um, and if they are doing any movies, then it's very hard. So I'm not sure if this is a concept that can really work in Korea. But if it's maybe uh, sort of limited seasons might work, or if it's the same sort of concept that just going on, that might also work. There are just so many high so many different trials that are uh, happening right now. Yeah. So you never know.
0: It's definitely changing so much. I mean, it's gone from all just the the romantic comedies and everything that you associate with Korean dramas and mm-hmm. things like that. And now the content being produced is pretty. It's pretty dark, actually. It's yeah, quite realistic. I watched some of it and I'm a bit like, wow, this is if I was 15, it would be fine. But as I get older <laughs> with kids, it becomes harder to watch this yeah, violence and aggression. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. For TV dramas, maybe, but for movies, it was actually always Like that, uh, like Old Boy Mm. uh, was very dark. (inaudible) Buk Su Ne Nae God, Park Chanuk's uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance was very dark. So actually, for people outside Korea, and especially uh, regarding films, not TV dramas, but Mm. films, very dark uh, stories with violence or suspense was what they would uh, sort of identify or define Korean stories, to be honest. And then there are more of that on the TV side now. Mm. And TV, like you can watch it on, like with your family, so that It might just feel like it's just more like, oh, this is really too dark for our family to watch, which is true, a lot of that. But Mm. my point was that it was actually an existing sort of trend in Korean cinema list.
0: So you mentioned things like Old Boy and uh, then you have also like Bong Joon-ho's Memories of Murder and things. These are quite dark and violent, aggressive. Is there a reason why Korean movies were so why they were like that
1: i don't exactly know why i think that's something also a lot of like film scholars actually would like to dig in and i think they actually do but my personal theory or thought, uh, my personal take is that especially when you were living in military dictatorship but mm. that's when you are your formative years if your formative years or during that period of time and then you become like your 20s, like in the 90s, or in the in the 80s, there's still sort of limitation uh, on the the type of story that you can do, like politically. There's also a lot of aggression and frustration that is underneath. So um, not only in Korea, but also in other countries, genre movies, genre films, is always a great tool to express that without being in danger of censorship. Uh, on the type of messages that you want to talk about. So I think that's why like Korean films probably had that violence portrayed in the structure of um, or in the grammar of like genre films during that time. And also there is this As you would know, the history and the the violence that is actually really taking place in everyday life in Korea uh, Mm. for many years, like the the toxic masculinity that we talked about, there's a lot of that that was really prevailing Mm. uh, in Korean culture. And uh, you're very much part of it. But at the same time, if you're an intellectual or if you're a storyteller, you do examine that. About yourself and about others, then it's hard to make just a you know feel good type of movies because um, just for novelists, for mm. for poets, for anyone's when you first start to write a story, you you start to write about yourself. For first time filmmakers, we're the same. Novelists, the same you start to uh, examine your life and really write your story first. And uh, when you are coming or when you are living in uh, that type of environment, although Korea having a very, very rapid like uh, economic, economic like progress and success, uh, there were just a lot of sacrifices uh, and, lo- and a lot of violence. Uh, people had to pay along the way. So when you look, when you reflect yourself you you just cannot avoid that personal struggle of yourself and your family so uh, ultimately I think you get to tap on that first and they're not just really pretty pictures that's my theory
0: it's hard to know for me firsthand but so many people have told me just about how violent and aggressive Korean society used to be in terms of language in terms of violence in terms of sort of power distances between people and just I mean do you have any insight just into sort of because today society it, it still has its problems, but it's it's changed a lot in 2021. What was it sort of like? I I don't feel like I'm a really old person myself. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: that wasn't what I was I, trying to say. No, sorry. no, 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 no. Because yeah. because I was. What I was just trying to address is that I'm I'm in my mid 40s. Mm. I went to college like in the mid 90s and I started to work basically um, in 2000 right after graduation. When I started off, I I started to work for a cable capsat, like cable satellite TV Station, uh, a documentary channel, and I still love my colleagues there. Uh, I still interact with them, Uh, my my best my seniors, all really good people. But there was the culture of hierarchy, a lot of sexist jokes. Um, So. My way of coping with it was just to make it as a joke, you know, um, like, oh, like, 선배님, if you say that one more time, I'll be able to get money uh, to buy an apartment in Seoul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, if I if I sue you, you guys are all helping me to, for me to finally buy a house in, <laughs> in Seoul. So just a lot of that. So women at my age, uh, in their 20s, in their 30s, all uh, had to maneuver a way to survive and get along in a very sexist culture. And although there were still people who were woke and who thought they were woke, um, the reality was that, yeah, there was just a lot of um, very, very uncomfortable circumstances that we had to go through and also there was this culture that was inherited from the 80s i think uh about (laughs) you do it as i say so to speak which is also a very military culture especially at corporates there were a lot of that culture existing uh and not not just in corporates but in any type of organizations so you just really would have to um follow what your seniors say and I mean that is your job too you you do follow the orders but at the same time the way you do it was rather very aggressive and um, not really democratic and things just drastically changed over the years but I would say probably until my mid 30s to late 30s there were still a lot of remnants of that The whole drinking culture, like you when you have to go to the office and you always have like gatherings of like you have to go to drink. And um, I remember especially when I was younger, when I was still in my uh, late 20s, because I would work with a lot of men because they would think, oh, this little, you know, young thing and treating me not really as a full like grown adult uh, who mm-hmm. has uh, responsibilities and also authority in, in certain ways, in certain levels. So I would try to drink and win the other guy. Uh, and just by, by that, it's like proving like, okay, you cannot mess with me. I'm, right. I'm sorry, but yeah, you, you're going to be in trouble. I might look petite and, you know, I can not drink the table. So just don't uh, try to reduce me. So I had to do that a lot, Um, which I enjoyed as well. I mean, I love to drink. I used to love to drink, Um, like meeting people, hanging out with people, but uh, it was just like a a cultural thing too, that's involved in in business, which is not really the
0: case these days. It's definitely changing. I wonder if it ever made you, I mean... I can sense from your your personality, your drive, and you might use humor to deflect things, but deep down you 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 really mean it. But did it ever make you consider like a different career? Because certain industries, they have different demographic. So did it ever worry you or scare you? Or do you saw that as a challenge to get and succeed in that industry?
1: I chose my my field, because I loved it so much. So I regarded myself really lucky when I was able to work in the film industry, when it was just starting to sort of develop in a way, in the sense of like, where there were like a lot of new, like multiplexes and corporates coming in into the field and really creating like systems. So it never occurred to me that I wanted to do something else because of those challenges. And to be honest, it was like that everywhere. Mm -hmm. not just in the film industry. You know, just like any, I'm sure it's the same in any other countries too. Like when you go back to a certain era where there were a lot of like prejudices or like conflicts due to like gender issues, you still have people who love what they do and who love movies who loves storytelling so the joy of doing it and talking about it was so much bigger than the any type of afflictions and conflicts and it was just a a daily life thing you just have to just live through it it's not like there's not much Exception, even if you go to other fields. So I think it just—it never occurred to me. I just wanted to do what I really wanted to do.
0: I can definitely feel the passion, considering the obstacles for the for the country, for you personally as well, but for the country with the the military dictatorships, the violence, the changes that it was going through. That makes the success even more meaningful. I think. I mean. Like being here in Korea and and seeing sometimes people Korean people's reactions to parasite winning Oscars and things like that. It's sometimes hard for me to I try to empathize and understand it as best as I can, but Sometimes I wonder is it is it kind of different if you're Korean and you see these successes? Because even if you don't like that film or that group, but there's still an element of yes to it.
1: Oh, uh, most certainly. I mean, especially when I started out, we had films like like Old oh Boy, um, and before me really starting to work, there there were like Shihuasan, um, some other like Korean films that were really uh, appreciated in the world cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I when I was working, it was when I started to work in the field. Park Chan Wook, Bong Ho, Kim Ji um, like Lee Chang Dong. Those directors were really uh, appreciated. One of the my job that I that I did the longest among all the the other sort of roles were like to pitch our films to film festivals. If I talk to like Khan, Berlin, like Venice people, the festival directors, or uh, anyone in the States, like New York Film Festival, um, they would all know who our directors are. And film community is like a global, it's like a small village in a way in each country. So they, and especially when you get to go to major festivals, you get to meet everyone there. Mm -hmm. Like Martin Scorsese is there. Pung Juno, Dong—they're all there in the same. Alejandro Inarritu is there, so you get to—they get to meet each other. So they—they they all know, like the in the industry, uh, because ultimately they're all film nerds. They all love movies. So especially when our films get to go to a place like that, uh, where all the influencers or all the uh, opinion leaders or leaders of the film com Uh, They get to really uh, watch everyone's film. They get to really appreciate it. So I would say Korean cinema especially was always on the radar. Everyone knew about it. But the level of success that we had now was something that I could have never, ever imagined. I was part of the academy campaign for some of our films in the past too. And we never really were able to spend a lot of budget because ultimately it, it is an American award show. Mm. The Academy is not like an international event. And usually you would have an, an American distributor who has a right for, of the film for their territories. And they are the one who's uh, doing all the campaign. It's for their own distribution just to, to really show uh, the film more uh, and create more revenue basically Um with that so we would always support because it is an honor if we have our film get any type of uh, nomination but nomination itself never happened for all the times that i worked over 10 years that i worked at so like never in the past basically which is a very shocking fact considering there were also a lot of people especially in hollywood too who really knew about korean movies uh, were fans of korean uh directors but Parasite having that level of success really felt like uh, a glass shattering sort of moment. Like I I happened to be there at the party uh, since I was in L.A. I remember just really thinking about all the things that we've done in the past or not like top level uh, people but people like us who were just working mm. was really just pitching our films like meeting people and some of them were in the room as well like the distributor of Parasite is Neon and some of the people there I knew them for for a long time because they were always like fans of Korean cinema so American counterparts um, and also a lot of other uh, like people from other countries around the world who've been uh, a great supporter for Korean cinema I got to really think of them a lot that night so mm. we were just really hugging I shed some tears. <laughs> I texted some friends um, mm. because yeah it was it was really it was almost like a a moment that things really shifted really feeling like we were just right at at that moment that everything shifted so yeah definitely that it was an unimaginable thing but there were also just a lot of people not only Koreans but uh, all around the world um, in the field who were very very supportive of Korean cinema and really uh, helped all the way
0: for us to get here absolutely yeah it's <laughs> these things they take so many people to achieve, and so many people involved. Yeah, the the success of Parasite, I, like you say, I guess it was a long time coming, and, mm-hmm. and so there there had been critical acclaim given to Korean movie directors, whether it's at the Cannes Awards or Berlin, like Park mm-hmm. Chan-wook and Bong Joon-ho. They had been winning awards, and they were very well respected in the filmmaking industry, as well as some other Korean directors. Were they doing anything in particular? Was there anything that was coming out of Korean cinema and movies like from the two thousand onwards that was not being seen elsewhere? Was there something like Korean cinema amongst them or was it just their own personal visions?
1: It is a difficult question because ultimately all the things they talk about are Korean matters, right? Mm. But it is really their vision
0: and their interpretation on how they talked about those stories I guess it seems interesting to me to have so many Mm -hmm. skilled and excellent directors coming around at the same time. It's like uh, you get like a a sort of Russian, whether that was just fate or fortune or.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, people do talk about Korean Renaissance and that is specifically around that time in the 2000s
0: Mm.
1: uh, and late 90s. And there are many uh, different factors of that. Uh, And one is the country being more opened up after the the military regime. So there were more um, liberty and freedom Mm -hmm. to really create different things. Uh, Another thing was also around that time in the 80s, there were a lot of film nerds or cinephiles uh, watching different types of movies. In the past, there were more sort of like censorship and restriction on on the type of film that you can actually watch. But they will go to like Guetta Institute or like the French like cultural uh, like center to those places because they would have like a regular screenings of um, their own films, like European films. Mm. And they got to watch a lot of that because until the 80s, you were not really able to travel abroad or go abroad And that limitation was lifted and people started to go to study films. And a lot of them came back in the mid to late 90s and started to make movies too. So they were trained from abroad uh, with very different set of like vision and eyes Mm. and bringing something new to Korean cinema as well. And that is actually happening in other countries too. Like Vietnam is also a very good example. Mm. A lot of people who are uh, studying in the States or who are from the States going back to Vietnam and just really bringing a lot of new type of stories, new type of storytellings. Together was the infrastructure being built. In the mid-90s, the first multiplex Was built, the first CGV was built. Before that, you had big theaters and you had all the local theaters in the countryside, in different cities outside, like Seoul, and you didn't have uh, the ticket counting system that was transparent. Mm -hmm. So it was very hard to count the box office. And also, there were just a lot of uh, embezzlement happening. The theater owners not really sharing the full profit to uh, the, the distributors, and it's not just something that happened in Korea, but all around the world, it was the same. But corporates coming into uh, the movie business, like CJ, required building theaters uh, and multiplexes, yeah. and also Korean government being fully involved in. Uh, building the the box office count so it became very transparent for any movie industry to grow in any country you have to have a great number of screens for that reason corporates coming in to build multiplexes so you have more screens you have more tickets therefore you have you make more money and then the the transparency started to really like settle in terms of like ticket counting It was all of them coming together around the same time. And then Busan Film Festival started also in the 90s. The three founders, all of them were uh, like film critics and professors also who were going to Guete Institute and all these places to watch movies. Mm. They really wanted to build, build the festival because when you have a film festival, this is when... You get to watch a lot of different f- films from abroad that is also not being distributed. So even if there are not like no buyers who bought like films, you get to watch films that you will never get a chance to to watch. It really nurture the young cinephiles and like uh, future filmmakers to really see what's going on out there. But it also really um, motivate you to make more movies because now. If if you have if you make one independent film and there's no distributor who wants to buy that film because it's so obscure or if it's very unique, uh, but then you have a film festival which is a platform to can really show your film to the audience. At those festivals, you also, there are a lot of film festival programmers coming. Berlin people come, Venice people come, Cannes people come. For them, it's also a great way to scout, to really discover uh, youth rising filmmakers from Korea. All of that were all basically happening at the same time. And that really brought sort of the renaissance of um, Korean cinema.
0: This might sound like a stupid question, but one of the first times I went to a Korean cinema was about 2005. And... I noticed next to the cinema and it was like a multiplex, but there were like fortune tellers there, which were more common. I think that was right next to the cinema screens. And then when we went in, people were eating like buttered squid. And so it was all very new, right? In like the late nineties and early two thousands, what was the cinema going experience like? Was it still just Coke and popcorn and exactly like you would get elsewhere? Was there anything particular different back then from the actual experience of going to the cinema?
1: I mean, for me personally, I think the, the experience really is divided from like pre-multiplex era mm-hmm. and like post-multiplex era, maybe. Uh, there used to be some really big theatres like Danseongsa, uh like in Jongno. Jongno would be really the neighbourhood that you would all go to watch movies. And I mean, still pretty much the same, but just individual, like standalone like, theatres. Yeah, I mean the the squid is very very Korean <laughs> concession, right? Like yeah. water squid or squid uh, popcorns. Having like a cafe nearby, it it was more I, I guess like the whole neighborhood that we would still like sort of experience. Mm. Rather than now, it's going to a mall and there's a multiplex there, and then you go go inside, you watch a movie. It's all like identical sort of setup, but yeah. That was that those standalone theater experience was different. And also, there were a lot of like art house theaters. My peers, we were watching a lot of European films too. And somehow, and I learned that Taiwan was the same. A lot of uh, like French movies
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that would be obscure or not really popular outside Asia, but they would be like huge in Korea. I mean, Cinema Paradiso was probably. Yeah. Big in every other country but there were a lot of European films like that that were very very popular or like Apas Kiarostami's film or um, they would be playing at theaters and they would actually make money at that time so we would go and if you think like you're you're college kids you want to feel like you're sophisticated (laughs) you want to like regard yourself as an intellectual like culture person (laughs) you go to watch those movies And that was a great education for me because I got to really watch many different films. And that's something I share with my generation. I was not the like a lonely like film nerd who was watching all those obscure films, but it was rather really a very common thing at that Mm -hmm. time. So people were watching that. So there are a lot of like memories of certain art house uh, movie theaters. We still have a lot of, like, not a lot, but still good number, sizable uh, number of movie theaters now like that are art house cinemas, like, really dedicated to that. But I, I do feel like it was just more accessible back then.
0: Is there a danger that it will get lost? So you talk about as it, as you get multiplexes, it becomes more institutionalized. There's more transparency in box office. These are great things, obviously, many positive sides. Does it negatively affect independent cinema? art house cinemas or terrors or does that just then exist on youtube
1: it is becoming i guess more drastic in terms of big commercial films really dominating uh, majority number of screens and multiplexes Um, but it's the same in the states Um, they are it's always the the big films that would be taking over majority of the screens all the little films will be smaller films independent films would be lost multiplexes in Korea at least say there were a very systematic or approach to to art house cinemas independent cinemas and they had their own labels of independent cinemas to like distribute them this whole pandemic situation is not really helping that so I don't think it's it's really because theater itself is now really in a danger of There is an existential sort of crisis that's happening, not only in Korea but all over the world. Whether um, theaters can really uh, survive, having a standalone theaters that really exist to that are really devoted to art house cinema, I think is very helpful. You do have more opportunity to watch everything on streaming like platforms. Yeah, but at the same time, so I do get to watch a lot of like different films and for me and my husband having also more needs and desire to watch more art art house films we also go to uh, a streaming platform that is solely dedicated to uh, them as well but just in general if you go to major platforms unless you do any type of marketing it's so easy to just be be lost it can be somewhere in there unless you really have a very specific desire to watch a very specific film but otherwise it's also so easy to just be buried so it's good that everyone has an opportunity to watch it but at the same time i'm not entirely sure if it's a good thing or not and I'm I'm an old soul in that sense, I guess, maybe, but really having a communal experience at a on the screen at a cinema. In- a theater, I think it does really make a difference.
0: I completely agree. And just the, the size, the scale and, and being around people, it's all part of it. I just want to go back to this kind of Renaissance and, and, and Parasite in early 2000s and just hit one more part of that and ask you, you said the success of Parasite was, um, you know, the glass ceiling being broken, it was international recognition, the Academy finally recognizing it. Was this a case of, Korean films getting better or the international world changing their perception of, and it's not just Korean films I'm applying that to, but also dramas and movies. Is it Korean stuff at the moment? Because it is so hot, genuinely. It's not manufactured attention by governments. It's like people all over the world are into this stuff hard. And I'm wondering... Is it because the actual contents are getting better and top of the range or because international attitudes towards Korea are changing?
1: Oh, I mean, I must say it's, it's really both, especially with storytelling and like cinemas or TV dramas. You get to watch a lot that it, that is coming from outside of Korea, too, that really inspired you as a storyteller. You just want to make something that is better because people get bored very easily it's very hard to satisfy uh your audience so you always have to find something that they really uh respond to uh and all all these people are target audience they watch everything they watch all the american tv series they watch all the the other tv series of course you get to uh make better stories more and more and again Korea being such a competitive market for everything. I think it's only, it's it's just very small country with very small number of people, of a, a population uh, in a way. So to be the number one in this market itself is not easy. And the audience really having high standard uh, in terms of like storytelling. I don't know why we are like that, but somehow we really have, I I do feel like Korean audience just in general have very good taste. There is a drive to really satisfy these people, especially it was was with the movies, with our filmmakers. Uh, They were just getting uh, not only recognition, but their films uh, really started to influence filmmakers around the world, uh, the the film nerds around the world. Um, So they would make their own films. They would make their TV dramas. They're also influenced by Korean movies, especially. And with that together, the whole cultural sort of rise that, it, that was just happening at the same time are really affecting each other. The music being so popular because of the music, you become more curious about, like the fans become more curious about Korea. They start to, I do see a pattern of a lot of like K-pop, like fans starting to, as they start to really dig in like uh, the music and the singers, they really start to become curious about the culture. Then they really, they start to watch a lot of TV dramas because also a lot of times the K-pop singers, they appear in TV dramas, they appear on the films. So your interest gets broadened. So I really think it's, it's all of that combined. Um, I don't think it can be just one rising of the quality of the stories and also korea just being more and more um appreciated internationally and with movies it was doing that rather more like uh specific type of people because they they have to be like film cinephiles but i think with k-pop really exploding in in another level yeah and people starting to really become familiar with that and all the global streaming platforms starting to streaming Korean content to global audience. I think it's, a, it's
0: just a combination of, of all of that. It must make your job so much easier it's not like you're sort of saying you know pay attention to this it's really good everyone's missing it but it must it must be the perfect time to work in this industry
1: for sure i mean i i did talk about it with a couple of other asian american friends who are in the industry filmmaking or making dramas like it's all a lot of hustle a lot of work but uh i was saying We've always had really talented people in the past too among Asian Americans or like Koreans. But to be alive and active in this time, we are completely blessed. People have been waiting for this time for so long. But being a Korean person right now in the industry, if you have a vision, if you have great story stories to tell, if you have a great story to tell, this is the this is a moment to to seize. Really, absolutely lucky.
0: One of the things that I've tried to work really hard to understand because I've I've grown up always seeing people like me as the heroes, the protagonists, the stars in things, and so we have seen this change recently of having sort of um, strong. Women leads and black or African American superheroes and now Asian stars. it, it is changing. It seems to ha- be having a a genuine, meaningful impact and effect on people in terms of these dramas. Then, like so, Squid Game, mm-hmm. DP. It's moving, I guess, away from the film to the dramas. But my my mother, my brother, will text me about this. The other day, my mother sent me a message. Obviously, she's in England. She's in her sixties, mm-hmm. and she said. Is the guy in Squid Game the same one from Mr. Sunshine?
1: And oh I, was like, I was like,
0: I was like, I haven't got that I far in blown. Squid Game yet. Yeah, but uh, I genuinely was. And it was it oh was no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, now I get it. But it was it was so weird for me to see that. That you know, there's this gen and these dramas seem to be like, what's your take on Squid Game? I know it's a very specific one, but it's the hottest thing, isn't it?
1: I mean, it is a hard thing. Everyone also in the industry industry is talking about it because in Korea, I think just in general, it had very mixed sort of reaction. Uh, There are some people who also who are working in the field too. There are people who understand the success and they really genuinely liked it. And there are people who don't really understand why it's so hot right now. I mean, if you are if we are just specifically talking about Squid Game, I think the whole setup being in a uh, limited space, mm-hmm. so it almost feels like very like specific cultural knowledge. Those are not really required to watch it. You can just easily access to it because you're just playing a game. Right. I really uh, felt like it was a black comedy about. capitalism uh, about modern society rather than um, like a thriller or a a genre a specific genre so there were just a lot of layers I felt like that it depicted about the whole competition why do we compete Mm. what does money really do and what do we really sacrifice along the way it really felt like watching like character studies were like a metaphor to a lot of those things with people just re- representing uh, all different sets uh, of, of, um, of any society, really. But ultimately, it is about whether you decide, you choose to keep your dignity as a human being, you, if, whether you really want to be as human as you can, or you can become something else really... I think we talked about this when we met. It's the same. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if he can spoil, but like these can be spoilers, but yeah. you have someone who really chose to to be good and then you have someone who chose to become like Darth Vader, really. I think those allegories, um, those uh, symbolism and also game itself, you feel like it's, a very, it's very accessible and they're not complicated games. And you, of course, you really get to be curious what the next game will be. Yep. But at the same time, the rules of the games are rather simple. And I think that itself also was uh, very symbolic because it is ultimately also about luck. You try to achieve something, you work so hard, you do all your best to think of the way to succeed. but And sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't, and that's life. So I think people were also really responding to that as well. Uh, If it was just a dark story about killing and about violence i don't think people would have responded to this level
0: i agree with you actually on that and, and i would say although the games they play there are sort of universal elements to them they are kind of real games i've watched episodes with my family and, and they'll start hitting me and go we used to play that and it's not trying to be too international it's not trying to be too cosmopolitan it was using real korean stuff to tell this story and yes that's a really good sign i think
1: yeah totally and i mean i think that's what i am also also personally thriving to do is to really create a local story that has global appeal that can just really i mean that's always Pong juno famously said the most and quoting martin scorsese that the most personal is the most universal like something in that um fain and i really really believe in
0: that wise words what did people you mentioned that some people were unsure why squid game was so popular they were sort of a bit like uh what were some of the reservations about it in the industry
1: well uh, i i mean I'm, I'm not sure if i can say their comments would be really representing the whole industry but just in general uh, uh there were some people who also it was all uh, in a lot of articles that the structure resembles a lot of the, those like survival game type of movies and TVs that were before. Um, some of my friends were not really pleased by the games. They thought it was really uh, not really giving a lot of um, like pleasure to see how the game, how people play the, those games. So I was telling them that the point of this is not about the games this is not one of those TV series sets that is like playing the, like to win, to, mm. to really like uh, to, to be the smartest, to be the most like, creative and innovative, like to uh, solve a very tricky uh, puzzle. Uh, and find a solution because there are there are shows like that that you gain a lot of like satisfaction as a as an audience right but this is just not that type of story so the the because the point is really not in the games in how you play the games but there were people who were thinking they were just too simple and the violence part as well or the the how women, uh, one particular like female character there uh, being portrayed as like selling her her body basically to survive. So I think there were people who uh, were not comfortable with that. But I personally thought it was regardless of your sex, when it is about your life, there would definitely, there can be people like that. So yeah, it didn't bother me so much, but mm-hmm. I, I do... I did notice there were a lot of articles about it.
0: I know the character you're talking about, and in terms of the games, you're right, it's not like Sherlock where someone's going to work out the yeah. logical thing. It's it's just a game. Mm-hmm. It's just a kid's game. With the international so you talked about perhaps some um, negative responses to one of the the women char- the the woman character and and what she does to survive and try to survive do you feel that can korean movies and dramas continue to be internationally successful and, and and sort of remain korean or will they sort of become more will there be more focus on the values and the ideas presented in will they will they have to start suddenly not suddenly will they have to start conforming, will they have to start sort of neutralizing a little bit? That might be a good thing. I think it's, I mean, the, the
1: great things about having many different uh, platforms now is that you don't really have to compromise the quality of the stories. And of course, when you're, if it's a series that will be launched on the global platform in the States, then, of course, you have to think about the American audience. So there has to be elements that can be changed really to reduce cultural misunderstanding or really to help those audience to understand the stories. But I would say it's, it's really just depending on the stories that you want to tell. And all the like DP or SqueakM, they were all launched in Korea by Netflix Korea. Mm. Um, and they are just reaching global audiences. They didn't have to compromise anything to gain those global audiences. I, I do know they would uh, consider to put some uh, global element, uh, whether having it more accessible to um, like global audiences or um, like putting some English language in it. So it just feels more. You just feel more related. But other than that, I mean, what's, what Netflix Korea is doing great, I personally think, is that they are not really compromising too much. I, I mean, from at least from the outside, that's how I see. Uh, DP is uniquely Korean story. Yeah. Because the story itself is very specific. It doesn't uh, require people like to go to military to understand everything because it is also ultimately about uh like toxic mas- masculinity or a very compromised sort of system that you have to live so we're, it's really about the human conditions and the characters so that's why you relate to it so it doesn't matter whether uh you're korean or not to really understand that story as long as you really have a strong uh dramatic arc and really strong characters. As specific as it can be, it's also very universal. Just going back to what you asked, that can be something to consider for sure. Like when you are uh, developing a character, you might have to... especially when you're aiming for global audiences, you might have to just think how also universal this, this character is. And that might be a bit of a change uh, when you can also be very, very specific in the culture. Mm. Um, like a lot of comedies, for example, comedies are always the hardest genre to, to uh, translate and also to go beyond your own country because there is very specific cultural references Uh, that are being spoken but unless it's something like that or even if it's something like that when you're aiming for when you are launching your this like particular tv series or uh, film on global streaming platform then you do would need to think how more universal it can be Probably in, in terms of the characters.
0: But the specific nature is so important. And like when you mentioned DP, that's so Korean in just the mm-hmm. uh, the the backgrounds, the language, the where they're going, the the cigarettes they're smoking, what they're eating. It's not this kind of cosmopolitan, let's have croissants and red wine, but it's it feels yes. very Korean in that. And um,
1: yes,
0: some of my international students, like when they come and study Korean studies in universities here they're not even aware of the conscription process
1: so Hmm.
0: it's really interesting that these dramas can tell or authentic as they can be but they are telling authentic Korean stories and also being successful I think you draw that line between the specific and universal really well
1: yeah I mean I think that's what that's every storyteller's dream I guess like to be because there are also a lot of projects that that are hoping to be a Pan-Asian thing or global thing. And to make that happen, like just from the conception, you would think, oh, so we put, there were, there are, and there were a lot of that, that I've also Mm -hmm. witnessed. Like you, you put an American actor here, then you put this like Korean actor here, you put Mm -hmm. Chinese actor here. Uh, then you shoot this film like here and also in this location and also in this country and you make a love story. And uh, because we have all of that, we would be able to make something that is uh, very successful internationally. But 99% of that didn't really have success, which is interesting. And that really shows like how storytelling should and what people are really interested in, you, you, you just want to follow a, a person's or like several people's journey emotionally, the setup can mm-hmm. be just a setup, you know? You can go beyond that cultural specific uh, s- specification when you, as long as you can identify yourself or you can re- relate or sympathize the main character's journey. I think personally, the more specific you are, uh, or the more uh, unique you are, the more sort of Korean you are, I think people can get more interested because you do have the desire to follow, to find unique
0: stories. It must be a very empowering notion, I think, for for young Koreans or or people around the world knowing that you can be yourself and be successful. It's not about conforming to international expectations or things like that of course you remain cognizant of it and you're aware of global changes but it's about what might breed success is about authenticity and representing yourself being who you are and and that can genuinely lead to uh the success so what if i ask you to look into your crystal ball which i know you obviously have tucked away (laughs) under the desk I hope so yeah lottery numbers please um does it go from strength to strength does it does it go up and down I mean what goes on here obviously we we can't know exactly but do you look ahead with optimism and and hope going forward from this for the for the movies and the dramas, and
1: I do feel it's it's only the beginning, and I do know uh, a lot of people are always uh, in the industry or anywhere they they always worry and talk about of oh, maybe this is just going to be a seasonal thing. This trend will die at one point, just like. Japanese culture was, Hong Kong culture was in, in Northeast Asia. There were certain times when everyone was loving Hong Kong films, Hong Kong music. One specific time that we were all like really following Japanese music, uh, Japanese movies, and now it's our turn. And things might change. I mean, China is also uh, keeping up to the, the quality of the storytelling were not that great for many years but also they're they're keeping up but i do feel like for korean stories or korean uh filmmakers creators this is only the beginning now it's really especially uh in hollywood this is really the beginning um, parasite minari it was all 2020 it was last year yeah. it's very recent uh Shang-Chi is this year uh but Crazy Rich Asian Farewell that was like the year before it's all very recent sort of um opening up especially in Hollywood I wouldn't I wouldn't say like Korean films are huge in France right now for example but like like in Hollywood where mm-hmm. um they're always looking for story and it was very limited to um certain types of stories certain type of um characters, certain type of skin color, but now I do know uh, for a fact that there there are a lot of projects that have very specific Korean elements that are being developed. They're really in need of Asian writers, Korean writers who are uh, bicultural, who really understand both worlds, a lot of uh, need for Asian American producers who also bicultural who really understand both worlds so this is really the time if you have a great story uh, idea uh that you want to reach out to the audience like as wide as you can um mm-hmm. and if you can have good uh partner who can um work with you um to create this also with a lot of like english um and I mean, the thing is, you don't even need to be you don't need to like fill the film like in full English either for TV series. Of course, if you're targeting American audience, of course, like language part is very important. Mm-hmm. But this is probably uh, a time when even when you don't have the dialogues in English 100%, like people would still, like they would they would watch it. So I am hopeful I'm one of those people who are trying to make a story right now. Um, so it is very exciting. I do feel very eager to like really start to work and really create something create many stories as i
0: can i must admit like kind of before speaking to you and meeting you i was also one of these people who thought this might just be a passing fad you know because things do move around but but hearing you and the, and the way you've described it and your experiences and and what you see happening i i'm slowly coming around to a different point of view here that it's possible it might you know because it is so recent but it might have lasting effects it might not just be a fad that comes and and passes quickly in terms of the, the language that you just mentioned i guess what's helped as well is the subtitles and translations because if you do watch old korean movies and things like that sometimes the subtitles are terrible and i can generally watch them just in korean without the subtitles but if you want to watch them with friends or things like that and the the difference in the skill level of subtitles these days is yes night and day isn't it and and that without people that understood both cultures you can't Uh, have squid game being successful or parasite being successful because it has to come across through the subtitles and yeah yeah
1: yeah. i mean i i was really in the in the midst of all of that because i was handling like international marketing so that also involved like uh supervising like korean uh, english subtitles for korean films and also, there of course, there are a lot of struggles with, uh, like, how do we translate very specific sayings or, like, so <laughs> or yeah. expression, like, into English. But uh, the pool of translators now is definitely very, very uh, different. It's not just people who are just studying English, but a lot of people who are also who lived in English speaking countries who are there. They're just so, so many more in the pool. And also in terms of storytelling too, there are so many more TCK as we call it, the third culture kids Mm. telling their story. And it's different because they're not really just from one country. They've experienced other uh, culture, other countries. So that's another very interesting uh, and exciting part for me personally. The stories of these kids who are ethnically Korean or who really understand Korea, but also who lived in who, or who are living currently in other countries and having their own take of like how they look at the society here or how they look at the society over there in whatever country it may be. Mm -hmm. um so that's that's something I'm always very curious and I just see a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who are TCKs like working on their uh scripts and I'm really looking forward to to see more of that
0: the young artist that did the the logo and the designs for this podcast uh, her name is Chan she was the first person to introduce me to the term TCK she's one herself and ah, so, she, okay. so she was telling me about so there's a little exactly uh, nice little link there um, just in terms of the subtitles I might put you on the spot but when you said you were in distributing and like how do you perhaps translate sokdams or proverbs and are there any examples or is there a general has there been an attitude shift or something that's made it more successful or
1: it's quite a long time ago that i was not in charge of that um so i i wouldn't really know like how it is right now but one thing i'm I'm sure is that people who are now in charge would be probably also much more international they experienced or just know so much more in any case it's really the translator's job and then like companies like sales companies or like company like distribution companies they would supervise uh, the the person in charge would, would supervise and really try to help as much as they can uh, as they are also uh, understanding the intention of the director uh, for specific dialogues it's it actually is very very precise work that everyone does um, but yeah there were there were a lot of complaints in the past i remember hearing from like various people like for certain subtitles, like not really being adequate. And um, so just really feeling bad about those those instances. Uh, I think for global like, streaming platforms, they're also get, uh, hiring a lot of like translators who are also living in the States too. Uh, so it's a mix of, there are just more people just in general uh, who are perfectly bilingual, uh, who can really understand and also through experiences because subtitling is also it's, its it's own art. Yeah. And especially when you are doing multimedia, like video, subtitles, you have limitation on the letters that you can put in each screen. Uh, you really have to, you, you really try not to steal. You want them to look at the screen and appreciate the story. And if it's too complicated, then you get to just focus on the list and you lose focus on what you're seeing. So it's a lot of that in consideration as well. So people are not just just translating the dialogue list. Um, but it's, it's really a lot of effort and work.